you so much. Thank you for the opportunity that I have to be in front of you. And uh, definitely uh, open up my heart and to show my passion to reach out the laws, especially among Roman Catholics. As Lisa said, uh, I'm here for a short time yet. And my wife and I are getting ready to go back to Italy and share the gospel among Roman Catholics. I've, I've grown up as a Roman Catholic. I got saved from Roman Catholicism. And uh, I grew up also as a Christian uh, witnessing to Roman Catholics. I've seen all, all kinds of crazy things on the other side. And uh, I experienced firsthand what it means to live in a nation that claims to be Christian and yet is not. And uh, go to school and be, you know, marginalized because you are different, you're a Protestant, you're a weird person, and all the experience related to that. Uh, so I'm going back to Italy with a with a passion, with a power, and I'm going to demonstrate it, demonstrate it this morning to you how relevant it is today to understand Roman Catholicism and how you should be thinking about reaching out these people who are lost. One of the most important things that I want to do as a opening up uh, this, this argument is that we, first and foremost, we realize that uh, this is not a speech against the individuals that belong to Roman Catholicism. I'm not accusing you personally. I'm not directing my finger to you as a personal, on a personal level. So if anybody among you is Roman Catholic or anybody has a Roman Catholic uh, relative, it's not an accusation directly to you. It's more for you to think about that these people need to, to be reached out for the right reasons. So if for any reason you get offended, Please don't get up and walk away. Maybe the college will, will not allow you to do that. But come to me and talk to me afterwards. Because uh, if you are offended, I want to tell you the way to solve that offense. The way that uh, will resolve all the dilemma in your heart and your mind. Secondly, as I said, this is a critique against the system of Roman Catholicism. Against the head which is the Pope, against the people that are beneath the Pope, that they have the Word of God in their hands, and yet they decide to completely neglect the Word of God and go on ahead with their own tradition, with their own philosophy. So, as you can see in the screen, there is this, the Basilica of St. Peter. So, why do we reach the Gospel to Roman Catholics? Are they not Christian? Well, I'm going to tell you that we reach the gospel to Roman Catholics for two reasons. Because they are an offense to God, an offense to my God, an offense to your God. And if you care enough, you want to reach out, reach out to them, telling them that they need to repent from their unbelief. Secondly, that they are lost. And maybe your relatives... Maybe the people around you, friends who are Roman Catholic, they are going to end up in hell. Is that not good enough for you to step out from your comfort zone and reach out to these people? And this morning I'm going to demonstrate to you this, that they are an offense to God and they are lost in their unbelief. I'm going to tell you about four radical teachings on Roman Catholic Church by which they offend God and give evidence that they are lost. Uh, going over them very quickly, is they corrupted the gospel, they dishonored the triune God by the papacy, 
They undermine the sufficiency of Christ's atonement, and they commit idolatry by worship, venerating Mary and the saints. These are the four major points that I want to tell you this morning, that I wanted to, to bring your mind to focus on, to realize and trying to convince you that you need to step up from your comfort zone and reach out to these precious people. You need to do that. You need to go ahead and reach out to these wonderful people. So let's, let's focus for a second on the corruption of the gospel. I want to see the biblical teaching versus the Catholic teaching. And I'm going to go through the solas. Uh, uh, Jason, a uh, dear friend of mine, really, really focused. And if you understood, he went through the, the, the five solas, very, uh, you know, highlighting some points of these solas. The, the first that I want to see with you is the sola scriptura. They corrupt the gospel for one reason, first and foremost. The scripture is not anymore the ultimate authority in the Roman Catholic Church. Their scripture, the word of God, was being given to us as a revelation from God, is not anymore the ultimate authority. It's not the word sufficient. It's not a word inerrant is not anymore part of their religion system. They have uh, a total different uh, understanding of 2 Timothy 3.16. As you can see you know, very well, this, this passage, 2 Timothy 3.16, point us to the fact that this scripture, the Word of God, is inspired by God. Now remember... God never inspired man to write the Word. God inspired the words to be written down in this Bible. The Holy Spirit moved man to write the inspired Word of God. But in the Roman Catholic system, they switch completely. The Pope becomes the ultimate authority. Tradition becomes the ultimate authority. And so on and so forth. And we're going to see that. Another important passage in 2 Peter, when Peter says that the Word of God, God has given us everything that pertains life and godliness. And in verse 19, he encourages us to think about that there is only one revealed prophetic Word of God. And nobody can deny that, Peter says. We have to rely on this Word of God for everything that pertain our life, pertain our uh, relationship with God. And relationship with other people. These are probably verses that are very familiar to you, but they are verses that they completely neglect. Roman Catholicism, they, they completely pervert the Word of God. So we can speak also Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is fantastic uh, exaltation of the sufficiency of the Word of God. So when you reach out to the Roman Catholics, have this in mind, that they have corrupted Scripture. They have not anymore the Word of God as the ultimate authority. But what do they have? They have, yes, Scripture. They say, oh, no, no, we have the Bible. Well, we have the Bible. But don't stop there. So only the Bible? Well, we have also tradition that is added to Scripture. As you know, Scripture are, have been written to, you know, to more than 2,000 years ago. So by the time we are now here, tradition has built up. So we are with Scripture and tradition. Only that? No. We have also magisterium, which is 
the clergy of Roman Catholicism who step up over the scripture and tradition and decide what's the normal rule of living your life. Scripture are not anymore sufficient for them. They corrupt the gospel because they ignore the word of God. They neglect the word of God. And what is Jesus telling us in Matthew 15, 3? I want to read with you this fantastic passage that was for the Jews, but we can apply it to the Roman Catholics. In verse 3, Jesus said, And he answered and said to them, Why do yourself, do you yourself transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And Mark 7, verse 6 and and, and from 6 to 8, Mark 7, from 6 to 8, is another passage. And he said to them, Rightly did, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching it as doctrines, the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of man. Now, you can absolutely apply this to Roman Catholic as well because they have their own tradition that is being uh, officialized by the magisterium as a norm of living a life as a Christian. That goes against everything that Jesus Christ has said. Also, Revelation reminds us, as John was concluding the canon, hey, do not add or do not take away from what this book is contained. That means that if that is true for the book of Revelation, it's true for the entire Bible. So there's no tradition, there's no magisterium that you can justify the perversion of the Word of God in your tradition, in your religion system. As you reach out to Roman Catholics, be aware of this. Be aware that they don't have any more the ultimate authority. That is the Word of God. So what is for us the warning? Colossians 2.8 See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of man, according to elementary principle of the world, rather than according to Christ. Don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself with political correctness in trying to be politically correct we're Roman Catholics. They are an offense to God because they have corrupted the gospel by denying the ultimate authority of Scripture. Don't fool yourself thinking that they might be Christian. Let me tell you one thing. Most of the time when I came here and I said, I'm going to go back and preach the gospel to Roman Catholics, some of the time people, even believers, would say, but I know many Roman Catholics who are true Christians. Uh, you know, tell me, explain better what you, what you mean by that. Well, I know that they are uh, true saved Christians because they speak about Christ being their Savior. They speak about grace. They speak about the Word of God and so on and so forth. Well, I have two objections. If that is true, and I'm not God to decide who is Christian and who is not Christian, but if that is true, how can a true saved person who has the Holy Spirit in his own life, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, how can that person still remain in the false 
teaching of Roman Catholicism, when they see the scripture being corrupted, when they see the Pope being exalted above God, when they see Mary exalted above Christ, and when they, they practice or their religion tradition that goes exactly against what they read on a daily basis. I remember a man who was once in Athens, and as he was looking at the people worshiping other gods, his soul was troubled. So much so that he stepped up, stepped up and said, Hey, there is a God, a known God that you don't know. I'm here to proclaim you that God who created heaven and earth. Who is my God? And from whom Jesus Christ came and he died and rose again. If you are, if you are in Roman Catholicism, and you believe that you are a true saved person, and you have established a true relationship with God, how can you stay longer? Well, you say, I want to stay longer because I want to do like Luther did. Well, if you do like Luther did, they will kick you out. Because I know many priests in Italy, at least two close to me, that they understood the true gospel as intended by the Bible, and they're starting to, to try to do a reformation in their own church, in their own parish. And after a year, they received this communication from the Pope, signed by the Pope. You know what that means? If you were living in the time of Luther, that was your condemnation to death. So if you are a true Christian and you realize that the word of God has been corrupted, that the gospel has been corrupted because the, the scripture is not anymore the ultimate authority, I encourage you to do what is right. To testify of Christ and how he changed your life and condemn any form of false worship. And if you are a friend of such a person, do the same. Please encourage them to do the same. Titus also tells us, so that they may be sound in faith, talking about the elders, no paying attention to Jewish, you can, change, you can change that and say, no paying attention to Roman Catholic means and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. That's the reality. That's the reality of Roman Catholicism. So the corruption of the gospel is not only seen in the fact that they corrupt scripture. The scripture is not anymore the ultimate authority. But they also ignore the fact and the, the, the ultimate reality that we are saved by grace alone. Sola gratia. Sola gratia. People have died for these two words. Sola gratia. We teach that Christ and God saves us only through grace. Roman Catholic's teaching instead says there is grace plus obedience and merits. What are these obedience and merits? What are, how can I add to this grace, uh, obedience and merit? Their concept is, follow me. Their concept is that yes, we are saved by grace as if God is showing his hand, picturing God stretching his hand and telling uh, the Roman Catholic, Come with me. Come to me. Accept my grace. And Roman Catholics are beneath that hand. And they're in obedience 
they try to reach out God's hand and pull themselves up to God's grace. So yes, God gives grace according to their, their philosophy, but we are called to do something to reach out the hand of God. What are these? Well, simply, sacraments. These are the sacraments, the invention of Roman Catholic Church to testify and to implement the concept of grace with obedience and merit. And I want to tell you that this is just a psychological operation to keep under control people. It's a way for Roman Catholic to have control over the adept. And uh, what are these seven sacraments? Jason told us about one, but there are seven. The baptism is the very first sacrament. So when you were born, if you are born in a Roman Catholic family, traditional Roman Catholic family, around the first month, your parents will bring you to before the priest, and the priest will baptize you based on the faith that your parents have and in that way, you do the, fir- the very first step in reaching out the grace of God. In adding to that grace your merit. By the faith of your parents, you've been baptized. And therefore, now you are closer to the hand of God. And as the priest sprinkled water on the little head of the baby, immediately from perdition, you go straight to the presence of God as internal salvation. You are fully saved, and if you die in that moment, you will be in heaven. So that's the, the mentality that is behind their step-by-step sacrament. Now, I was baptized as a, as a kid. I was baptized through this action of faith that my parents had. But I can guarantee you that I was far away from God's grace when I was a little boy. I was far away. And there was nothing in me that was looking for God. There wasn't personal decision. And the, the gospel of Christ is always based on your personal confession of faith. As Roman 10 testify. That we are called to confess Christ as a Lord and Savior. There's no a way for my parents to work for me. There's no a way for my parents to take my place and believe on my behalf in an act of obedience. And there's nothing I can do to merit and reach out the grace of God as an infant baby. Is that not an offense to my God who sent His only Son to die on the cross for us? Is that not an offense to the Holy God? Oh, absolutely. These people need to hear the true gospel of Christ. One, another sacrament is the Eucharist. We're going to look at more in depth this Eucharist. But basically every Sunday morning when you go to church as a Roman Catholic, you take the blood and, and the body of Christ and that obedience, you are sanctified and you are, you, are, uh, you are able to keep the grace of God on you in taking into yourself the body and blood of Christ. But we are looking more in depth later on on this one. Then there is the confession, penance, reconciliation. Confession is when, you want, when you've been baptized 
and then uh, you have the first communion, you have the, the possibility to go to the priest and confess your sin and say, forgive me, Father, because I've sinned this week. And the, and, the, and, and the priest will tell you, what was your sin? Tell me. And you tell all the, all the things that was in your heart during the week. And he said, okay, go back, take your rosary, and give ten hallow Marys, ten, father, uh, ten hallow father, and so on and so forth. Pray this Saint Antonio and Saint Joseph, and then your sins are forgiven. Really? That's true. That's, that's the way that I can be forgiven? Where is Christ? Where is Christ in this picture? Is it through penance that really I'm receiving forgiveness? Because the reciting of prayers is considered also penance. And some of the most traditional Roman Catholics, they put stones under their knees to expiate more sins as they are praying the Alamari, to fill the pain of their sins and expiate uh, expiate their sin through that penance and so that you are reconciled in that way with God tell me if that is not an offense to God who planned from the beginning to send his only son to die for us on the cross the confirmation you are about 13, 14 years old, and then you go to the church again after you go to, through the catechism. At the age of understanding, you can decide for your own self. And then you confirm that you are a son of God, and that confirmation brings you to another level, to another level and closer to God. Then there is marriage, but for many, there is the only old orders. Basically, marriage, you choose either to be married to a person or in the Roman Catholicism or to take the Holy Order, which will automatically marry you with Christ, either if you are a male or if, if you are a female. And you take these Holy Orders or you marry in order to, for you, to be in the grace of God. Well, I want to get married, but I can tell you that many times in my marriage, I can do whatever I like in my heart and be way far away from God if I don't have Christ in my own heart and truly repent for my ways. Marriage doesn't give me any strength to be holy. It gives me an opportunity to be holier because it exposes my heart. That's the reality of Roman Catholicism. And then the anointing of the sick the priest, while you were about to die, will come to you and take a little spill of oil and do a cross on your forehead and pray for you that you might go to heaven. The, the anointing of the sick, what we, what we call estrema unzione, from the Latin. So, now tell me, I read the Bible. I don't know if you, if you read the Bible. Probably if you are at this college, you read the Bible. And you know that nothing that is mentioned in these seven sacraments is contained in the Bible. Nothing. If you think that there is anything 
please come and talk to me and show me where it is in the Bible that we are called to fulfill this seventh sacrament in order for me to reach out the grace of God. Is that not good enough for you to reach out these lost people and see how this is an offense to your God? That's imperative. That's imperative. So sola gratia is evident in Ephesians 2, 2, 8-10, where we see that Christ, in his, in his sacrifice for us, gave His life, God raised Him from the dead, demonstrating His power. And by the same power, when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, God, because of His mercy, because of His love with which He loved you, He brought you to life with Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is turning away a dead soul into a living soul. How can I be contributing to God's grace when I'm at the bottom of a lake? I'm not striving to survive myself at the surface of the lake as if God will reach me out and save me and pull, him, pull me out from sure death. I'm at the bottom of the lake and I'm food for fish. And I cannot do anything because I'm dead spiritually. But God, being rich in mercy because of the love with which He loved us, He reached out us and pulled out from our deadly spiritual condition and brought us to Himself in Christ. Romans 5, 8, it's a great reminder as well. Luke 19.10 tells that Jesus came to say what was, what was lost. That's more clear than that. If there is anything that you can do, why Jesus would come to die for you? As Paul said, can I add to the amazing act of Christ? I will nullify it. I will nullify the work of Christ on the cross. If there is any way that I can add to that grace and mercy. Faith is also another important aspect. Sola fide. Well, Roman Catholics say faith plus works, and which is a little bit different from the sacraments. What are these works? First and foremost, the Mass. The Mass is something that is imperative. Every true Roman Catholic has to go to the Mass. 99% of Roman Catholics, they go to Mass only on Christmas and Easter. And they're, they're, it, according to their belief, they are lost. But can be the simple walk to church make you a faithful person? Oh, even among evangelicals, there are many people who are coming far away to go to, to church, and they are so far away from faith. Going to church doesn't make you faithful. Going to the Mass doesn't make a, a Roman Catholic a, children, a child of God. Purgatory, Jason mentioned that. Purgatory, it's the incredible, the incredible uh, absurdity of Roman Catholicism. Think about this. You live your life, 
maybe 80 years, you strive to gain grace from God, then you die and you go to this place where you will work out maybe for 10,000 years, maybe for 100,000 years, in order that for you to be finally into heaven. Where is in the Bible? Show me where is this in the Bible. Is that not an offense to God? It's not a testimony of the fact that these people are lost. The indulgency were coming, as Jason said, during the Reformation time, were coming to build up their own temples. Their own temples. They didn't have money to build the Basilica of St. Peter. And so they figured out the best way to have money is to tell these foolish people, give me money so I can release one of your relatives from purgatory and send them into heaven. Oh, tell me, am I crazy to believe that this is wrong? How can they be that they are so foolish and blind? Because they are lost. They are not alive. They don't have a spirit of faith. Is that not good enough for you to step out from your comfort zone and reach out to these precious people? Then low keeping. You have to obey the Ten Commandments. And we will see next uh, Wednesday what it means to, for a Roman Catholic to obey the Ten Commandments and uh, how they perverted even that, that portion of Scripture. Then good works. You do regular good works on a daily basis, helping the, the elderly lady to come to, across the street, helping her to bring your, her grocery and so on and so forth. You help your, you know, doing a good works, be obedient to your parents. And so you gain that more uh, uh, appreciation by, by God, adding to your faith these good works. I want to tell you a story that happened right here. On Devonshire, uh, smart and final, I was in line waiting for me to pay my grocery, and there was a mother with a daughter, little daughter, maybe she she was seven years old, and uh, and I could see that she was looking for money, counting the money to see how much she had in the wallet, and trying to understand if she could afford to buy all the groceries she had. So she was talking with the cashier and trying to figure it out, everything. And there was between her and me, another elderly lady, probably in her 75, 80 years old, looking with me to this scene. And um, at a certain point, the cashier said, well, if you have this much money, probably you need to take off something. And the mother said, well, uh, I'm sorry, talking to the little girl, we will not have candy for this week. We don't have money enough to buy grocery. We need to buy more important food. And the little girl, mommy, no, the candies, no, the candies. I want the candies. Now this elderly lady was broken in her heart, and she said, talking to the cashier, and said, excuse me, ma'am, I'm going to pay everything for her. I'm going to pay everything that she has here. I want that little girl to have the candy. And I want their family to have food for, for lunch and dinner. And I was looking at that scene. I said, oh my goodness. She must be a believer. She must be somebody who is really uh, 
love, loves the Lord and cares for the people. And so I was admiring her, and in my mind and in my heart, and be struck and, and say, well, that's something that should compel me to look out and reach out more people who are in need and so on and so forth. So by the time this mother and daughter leaves and uh, the, the, the lady, elderly lady pays everything, I'm walking behind her, and as she goes out from the, uh, from the uh, smart and final, she didn't see a little step. She trembled in her elderly age, and she lost the control of the bags, and all the grocery was on, on the floor, and she cursed God. I was shocked. Now tell me, how good is that work, good work that she did in paying that grocery for that needy family? How good was that before God when she cursed? Ten minutes later, the same God. How can you put on the scale your good works and your bad works? There is only one way to reach out to God. Romans 1, 16, 328, 4, 4 to 5 tells us that we are sinners in need of God's justification through an act of faith. Galatians 2, 16, 17, 320, 327. That's the reality, guys. That's what we need. Philippians 3, 5, 14. They are all pointing to the fact that salvation is by faith alone. In Christ alone. So result of Roman Catholic teaching, universalism, they say everybody's going to be saved at the end. No assurance of salvation, though, on, on, on this side of heaven. No high view of God in Scripture. Condemnation, because they will feel condemned every day of their lives. Not be able to reach out that grace every day of their life. Eternal judgment and hell. Next Wednesday, we're going to see about the dishonor of the triune God by the papacy. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity that we have to understand better Roman Catholicism. And I pray, Lord, that as we are here in this room for these students, that they might have a weight on their hearts, that they might have the desire to reach out these precious people, that they are realizing that Roman Catholics are into a false teaching, lost in their unbelief. I pray that you might send us, Lord, and give us an opportunity to reach out these precious people. In Jesus' name we pray.